Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. We are on week four of our series, Walking Through the Armor of God, as outlined for us in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We are on the third piece of armor this morning as we continue thinking about, processing through, what does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to engage daily in spiritual battle, and how do we prepare ourselves for that battle? This morning's message is entitled, The Shoes of the Gospel, and as we think about that, I just want to make this blanket statement, shoes matter. Can I get an amen on that? Shoes matter. Now, there's typically two types of people when it comes to shoes. The first type of people would say, it's better to look good than to feel good when it comes to shoes. Shoes look good, doesn't really matter how they feel. The other group is, it's better to feel good, I don't really care what they look like. Now, if you're in the first camp, just raise your hand. Better to look good than to feel good. Ladies, if you wear high heel shoes, put your hands up, right? Students, if you wear Birkenstocks, Birkenstocks with socks, right? Put your hand up in that. If you wear Crocs of any type or Hey Dudes, right? You're just worried about how you look. You don't care about how they feel. If you buy your shoes at Fit to Run, raise your hand, you want the technology to measure what type of shoe you need and what arch support that you need and how big the footbed is where your toes can spread out and love Jesus, right? You know, shoes matter. And this is no less true for the Roman soldier, and I would press in this morning for us as followers of Jesus who are engaged daily in spiritual battle, the shoes that we wear matter. I want to read the text for us as we have the last three weeks and as we will the next few weeks together. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. 
To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. We've looked previously at the belt of truth, and then we looked at the breastplate of righteousness, and this morning we will look at the shoes of the gospel of peace. As we think through that, I want you to write down this main idea. It'll frame our time together as we zoom in on verse 15 of our text this morning. It's this truth. The gospel provides peace in the midst of chaos. The gospel provides peace in the midst of chaos. One of the things that you hear as you either listen to a soldier who's returning from war or you read accounts of soldiers as they are engaged in battle, there is this idea that floats around of the fog of war. It's this idea that when the bullets start flying, when the grenades start being launched, that everything just gets foggy in that moment. It's hard to know to move. It's hard to know which direction to take. It's sometimes even paralyzing because of the fear that they experience in that moment. And the same thing is true for us in our lives as followers of Jesus engaged in spiritual battle day in and day out. There is a sense of the fog of spiritual war that we're engaged in. And so what do we do in the midst of that battle? Is there any sense of peace and hope as we are fighting? For Paul, he's going to call our attention to the Roman soldier's shoes. And he's going to connect that with the gospel of peace. He's going to use that as his example for us as we think about putting on the full armor of God, as we think about preparing for spiritual battle. He's going to say to us, here's what you need to think about, to recognize, and to put on as a follower of Jesus in the midst of the chaos of this spiritual battle that you find yourself in, the shoes of the gospel of peace. As we've done each week, I want us to walk through four questions as we think about this piece of armor. And the first question is, what was the purpose of the Roman soldier's shoes? So I want you to take a look here. There should be a picture that comes up. This is 
what a Roman soldier's shoe would have looked like. So I want you to just take note of some key characteristics. It was made of leather. There would have been a very thick bottom sole on the shoe. And as you can see in the picture, there were pieces of metal that were driven through the bottom layer of this sole. In fact, if you are curious by any stretch, it's actually called a hobnail. Now, some of you Georgia fans who love the Bulldogs, which should be all of us, but it's okay. (laughs) If you remember back in 2001, Larry Munson, as the dogs are playing against Tennessee Volunteers, the evil empire at that point, right? One of the things that happened is right at the very end of the game, dogs score a touchdown, and he comes up with this phrase. He said, we just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot. There it is, right there, hobnail. That is what they would have put on the bottom of these leather soles. And then they would have put a leather top piece on it, which is what the foot would have rested on. And then the straps would have strapped all the way around, not only just their feet, but also up their ankles and into their calf. Later on, in about the second century AD, it would have progressed further than that. They would have actually had what was entitled a a full boot, a full piece of leather that would have covered it. But early on, as Paul is writing about these soldiers, that's exactly what those shoes would have looked like. So what was the purpose for those shoes? Well, it was twofold. First, it served as a wonderful foundation or base of support for these soldiers. For them, as they were engaged in battle, you have to remember that much of the battle that they would have been engaged in would have been hand-to-hand combat. And so we'd already talked about the fact that they would have used their hips, their legs in terms of engaging in battle. Well, at the bottom of your legs, in case you didn't know, are your feet. Some of y'all are like, okay, I'm with you now. And on the feet were these leather shoes that had hobnails in the bottom of it. It served as a perfect foundation for them as they were engaging in battle. But not only that, it also gave them the ability to move with speed and agility as well. I found this out when I graduated playing baseball from wearing shoes that had rubber cleats on the bottom. If you played baseball, remember when you graduated to spikes? Oh, the spikes were amazing. They dug down into the dirt. They were really good. If you were sliding into second, you kept your foot up high so you could take the guy out. Remember that? But I want you to know that for the Roman soldiers that they would have been not only engaged in battle, but a lot of what they did was marching. And they were marching over rough terrain. They were having to be agile as they were engaged in battle. And so these spikes that were on the bottom of their shoes would have enabled them to be able to engage in battle and also to be able to march long distances over rocky and rough terrain. 
Not only that, just kind of picture this in your mind because it's something that historians talk about from those who would have been around as a garrison of Roman soldiers would have entered into the city, especially if they were cobblestone-type streets. Just imagine, and if you wore spikes as a baseball player, you remember walking on concrete, the sound that you would hear as it hit every time. Imagine thousands of soldiers walking through a cobblestone street at that point, and you would have heard the Roman soldiers as they were coming. It was a terrifying sight. It was a terrifying noise to hear. So this was, as Paul is writing to this group of believers, remember, as he's imprisoned under house arrest in this moment, he would have been looking at a Roman soldier, and he would have been taking note of all of his attire and the shoes, he says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That is an item that I'm going to highlight. That's what they were used for. I want you to notice that he talks about these shoes for the feet being the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So here's the question that follows. What is the gospel of peace? As we think through scripture, as we look at what Paul is outlining for us here, let's define both of those terms. First, the gospel, and then let's define peace. So the gospel, just a strict definition of that, is the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for sinners. Just at its base level, there's a lot of stuff that you could, you could add to that, a lot of clarity that you could provide. But at its base level, the good news is simply the message of what Christ has done for us. That's exactly what the gospel is. That when we were dead in our sins that Christ Jesus died on our behalf, taking the full wrath of God upon himself for our sin. He paid the debt that we owed. He died and was buried, and he rose again on the third day, securing salvation for us. We were without hope until Jesus Christ did what he came to do. That is good news. You may have come in today, and for you, that may be the very first time you've heard that. Or maybe you've heard it over and over and over again. You could tell me what the gospel is, but the reality is it's never transformed your life. You've never come to the moment where you trusted in Jesus Christ alone and what he accomplished for you on the cross, his death, his resurrection for yourself. I want you to know this morning that this is the opportunity that sits before you today. Not just to know the definition of the gospel, that it's good news of what Jesus Christ has done for sinners, but to appropriate the message of the gospel for yourself, where you believe it's good news for you as a sinner, and you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. 
Here's the thing, if you are in that spot, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus as your Savior. One thing is crystal clear from this day forward, you have heard the truth of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. The question is, what will you do with it? That's the definition for us of the gospel, but let's think about the definition of peace. Well, peace is freedom from chaos or a state or period in which there is no war. As you think through that and you make the connection here, the gospel of peace reminds us as followers of Jesus who have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation that we have been made right with God. We have been brought into a peaceful relationship with God. We are no longer at war with God as a result of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. That is the good news that we stand in this morning. And so Paul puts this together, gospel of peace. And I love in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, he's going to explain it even more for us. And so I want you to, to take note of this. And I just encourage you this coming week to spend some time reading through Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, and meditating on the truth, if you're a follower of Jesus, of what this reminds us of. This is what Paul writes. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, watch this, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, listen, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The gospel of peace. Here's the third question. Why does Paul make this connection of the Roman soldier's shoes and these terms that we've just defined, the gospel of peace? Why, why are those brought together? Well, let's reflect on the fact of what those shoes meant for the Roman soldier and then what the gospel of peace means for us as followers of Jesus. And I want you to take note first that the gospel of peace provides believers with a sure foundation from which to engage in spiritual battle. Cookies on the bottom shelf for you this morning. We have peace with God. The foundation for every single one of us as followers of Jesus that we are able to stand firm on is that we have peace with God. Again, 
not because of anything that we have done, not because we've been good enough or we've done enough righteous things, but totally on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf as a result of his life, death, and resurrection, we have peace with God. And as we engage spiritually in the battle in which we find ourselves in, that for us serves as the foundation, the sure footing that we have. In fact, as we engage in this battle, what we're reminded of is that the gospel message that transformed our lives is a message of ultimately victory for the believer. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we join him in victory. So think about that as you take that and gauge in spiritual battle. We stand on the sure foundation of the victory that we have won in Jesus Christ. That serves as the foundation for us as we engage in battle. Not only that, but the gospel of peace enables believers to adapt to the ever-changing aspects of spiritual battle. I want you to hear me this morning. The battle spiritually in your life is constantly changing. There is no day in the life of a believer where you wake up and it was just like it was the day before. There are days that we wake up and we think, man, yesterday I was on it. Like yesterday, spiritually, I feel like I was walking with the Lord. And then we walk out of our garage and it hits us in the face. And we're like, what's this? No day is the same. And no situation is The same. The thing is true in war as well. The enemy is always seeking to maneuver in such a way to catch you off guard. And the same thing is true for Satan and his attacks in our lives. Always maneuvering in such a way to try to catch us off guard, lobbing towards us temptations, lobbing towards us difficulties and struggles and circumstances that we're walking through that are not the same day in and day out. And for us, we have to have something in the midst of that battle with which we are able to adapt and to adjust and to move. Not only do we have peace with God, but here's where the key comes in. As a result of the gospel, we also have peace from God. We have peace with God. We are no longer his enemy as a result of what Christ has done. But it's not just that. It's not just the good news that we have that, but because of what Christ has done. We also have the peace that comes from God within us. Which if you notice back in Romans chapter 5, the first part was crystal clear for us, right? Therefore, we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all look at that and say, yes, peace with God. That's amazing. But if you notice, Paul doesn't stop there. In fact, he continues by saying, we rejoice in our sufferings. 
You're like, I don't like that part. What we realize as we're engaged in spiritual battle is that part of war is suffering. Part of engaging in battle is walking through discouragement and sometimes defeat as we are engaged in spiritual battle. So in the midst of that, how in the world are we able to keep our minds sane in the midst of the fog of spiritual war? Well, it is only through the peace that comes from God. As a result of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have peace that comes from God. This is why if you've ever engaged with a believer in some capacity that's walking through grief or that's walking through a struggle, walking through a cancer diagnosis or walking through a difficult child, walking through a job loss or something like that, and and they say things to you like, you know, this is really tough, but I have the peace that only God can supply. I have the peace that I can walk through this situation, and it may not be the circumstances I would want. It may not be even what I would desire, but I'm able to walk through it because of the peace that only comes from God. I know I've had this conversation with many of you before who have been walking through a difficult season or a difficult circumstance, and you make this statement. I don't know how people could walk through this without the Lord. I don't know how people could endure this apart from a relationship with God because it is through him that we receive the peace in the midst of the difficulty that we're walking through. We have peace with God. We have the peace that comes from God. So question number four, how do we live it out? How do we tangibly, day in and day out, strap on these shoes, the readiness of the gospel of peace? How do we put them on? Because all of this that I've said is great information, but if we don't apply it day in and day out, it does us absolutely no good, right? So how do we put on these gospel shoes of peace? I want us to reflect through three things. One, I want to encourage you to rest in the gospel of peace. Rest in the gospel of peace. Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, phenomenal book. But I want you to notice this quote. I want you to reflect personally in your own life. He says, there are two ways to live the Christian life. You can live it either for the heart of Christ or from the heart of Christ. You can live for the smile of God or from it for a new identity as a son or daughter of God or from it, 
for your union with Christ or from it. You notice the difference? In fact, if you would reflect back in your childhood for just a bit, there are some of us who would identify with never really knowing where we stood with our parents. Trying to earn their favor and always working in such a way that we were trying to obtain their approval, trying to make them smile as they see us, trying to earn their favor. We were constantly walking through life a bit on eggshells, working as hard as we could to try to get them to love us. And then there's others of us who we really recognized that it didn't matter what we did. Great things, stupid things. Mom and dad were not going to love us any more or any less as a result of that. I want you to notice that that's what Dane is talking about. And that's what resting in the gospel of peace means. That for us, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we can rest in what God thinks about us. Because we are not operating in life as if we're trying to earn his favor. We already have it because of what Christ has done on our behalf. We're not walking through life trying to earn his approval because he's already given it to us. We're not trying to get into the family by what we do. We are in the family because of what Christ has done for us, which means for us as followers of Jesus, engaged in this spiritual battle in which we find ourselves in, we can rest in the gospel of peace. We can rest in the truth of what Christ says about us. We can rest in this moment that as we're engaged in battle, it's not to try to earn the favor of God because we already have it. And there are some of you who have spent your entire Christian life on the other end of that. Thinking that I have to do these things as if God has a checklist in heaven where if you do enough good, he's like, I'm pleased with you today. And if you do bad, he's not pleased with you today. You think that there is some cosmic clip. Remember when you were in first grade, they had a clip, started out on green, went to yellow. Some of y'all spent a lot of time in red. And you think that that's what God's doing. I want you to know that that is not the case. As you engage in spiritual battle, you engage being able to rest in what God says is true about you. You say, well, then does this mean I don't have to worry about pursuing righteousness and holiness? You missed last week. Because that's exactly what we should be doing, but not from the position of trying to earn the favor of God, but because we've already received it. Rest in the truth of the gospel of peace. Not only that, rely 
on the gospel of peace. Not just rest in it, that you have peace with God, but rely on the gospel of peace. That is peace from God. This is another passage I'd encourage you to spend some time in this week in your own time with the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't just rest in the gospel of peace, but rely on it. Rely on the peace that only Christ can provide for you and for me. Because here's the reality. We are in the fog of war spiritually day in and day out. We need peace in the midst of the chaos, and it is only available to us through Christ Jesus. There's a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. That name is maybe not one you've heard before, but one of the things that's interesting is that there are moments in our lives when we do not expect situations or circumstances to go in a certain direction, especially as we're engaged in spiritual battle. The question is, when we find ourselves there, how will we respond? Horatio Spafford sent his wife and his kids on a ship headed over the ocean. And his wife sent a telegram back to him to let him know that all of his children had perished because of a shipwreck. His wife was the only one who survived. So he left to go and join his wife, and the ship's captain knew of the situation, knew that he was on board, and when they got to the place in the ocean where his children had perished, he grabbed Horatio Spafford and told him that this was the spot. This is where your children died. And Horatio Spafford, in that moment of grief and pain and heartache, penned the words of a hymn that we all know. It is well with my soul. How? How could he write those words? It is because of his total reliance on the peace that the gospel brings. We too must rely on the gospel of peace. And here's the last one. We must reach out to others with the gospel of peace. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, leading up to that passage of Scripture. Another one I just encourage you to spend some time in this week as Paul is outlining that we are a new creation in Christ, that the old has passed away, that we have been reconciled to God through Christ. We have been entrusted to the ministry of reconciliation. And this is what he writes, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Every follower of Jesus has been given the ministry, Paul says, of reconciliation. That is that we are to engage in this world in which we live, where we are daily fighting the spiritual battle in front of us recognizing that the people that we encounter, hear me, as Paul has already told us, are not the enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What we recognize and understand is that they are desperately in need of a Savior just like we were. And this message of the gospel of peace should be the message that is on our lips as we engage day in and day out with people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I dare say for every single one of us, there are people in our lives right now, coworkers, friends, family members, neighbors, who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You and I, Paul says, are ambassadors. We who have experienced what Christ has done for us, we strap on the gospel shoes of peace every single day and enter into the spiritual battlefield that we find ourselves in, looking at faces of people that we know, recognizing that there is a spiritual battle taking place in their lives as well. And the only hope for them is the gospel of peace. They need Jesus. And for us, we are to be ready to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. As our worship team makes their way back up, you may have come in today and for you as we were talking about the message of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for sinners, you've never appropriated that in your life personally. You've never come to the moment where you've trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. You've trusted in his life, his death, his resurrection, which makes it possible for you to go from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. You have that opportunity this morning by faith to trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior. We'd love to help you take that step this morning. That's a step that you need to take. I'd encourage you, I'd implore you, as Paul says, do not let this day go by because there may not be another day.
take the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior today. If you are a follower of Jesus, I want to remind you of the gospel shoes of peace, this vital piece of armor that's been given to each of us, where we have the opportunity to rest in what Christ has done on our behalf, maybe for you, that's what you need to do today. You've been operating as if you've had to earn the favor of God, and the reality is you already have it. Today, you need to rest in that. Maybe you're walking through a difficult season in your life. The battle is waging. The fog of war is real. And this is a moment for you to rely on the gospel of peace, the peace that can only be provided to you through Jesus Christ. And that's what you need to do this morning is once again to declare your reliance on the peace that only he can give. And maybe for you, there's a name that popped in your head as we talked about reaching out to others with the gospel of peace. There's a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a family member that you know does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is an opportunity for you to pray for them and then to commit that as opportunities arise, and they will arise, you will point them to the only hope that can sustain their lives, that is the gospel of peace, what Christ has done for them. God, we ask this morning that you work in our hearts and our lives. God, that you would use this piece of armor to remind us God, of what you've done for us in Christ and what you've called us to do in this world in which we battle every single day. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and join us as we sing? Our altar is open. Our pastors are down front. If there's a step that you need to take, I want to encourage you this morning to take that step.